So, <laughs> hello everybody. This is Dawn. And this is Dylan. And we are doing something that we don't normally do. Normally we record our episodes weeks in advance, but just because we've been busy and had some stuff going on, we're actually recording the day before this is going to go up. So it's almost live. Almost and live. Yeah. I think that's important because I just want to open the episode talking a little bit about Paris, which happened yesterday. So the first thing I want to say is our, our thoughts and our hearts uh, and our prayers go out to not only Paris, but to Beirut, who also had a really horrific, uh, violent terrorist attack happen. And I saw this really beautiful thing on Instagram that I want to share before I go off in a little bit of a bender because of Donald Trump. So <laughs> this person, Karuna Izara, posted something on Instagram this morning that I thought was really important, and I'm going to read it. This person, Karina, said, It is not Paris we should pray for. It is the world. It is a world in which Beirut, reeling from bombings two days before Paris, was not covered in the press. A world in which a bomb goes off at a funeral in Baghdad, and not one person's status update says Baghdad. Because not one white person died in that fire. Pray for the world that blames a refugee crisis for a terrorist attack that does not pause to differentiate between the attacker and the person running from the very same thing you are. Pray for a world where people walking across countries for months, their only belongings upon their backs, are told they have no place to go. Say a prayer for Paris by all means, but pray more for the world that does not have a prayer for those who no longer have a home to defend, for a world that is falling apart in all corners and not simply in the towers and cafes we find so familiar. Mm. So I thought that was really important just because Paris is a place that I've been and I love and the terrorist attacks there are completely horrific and unforgivable and I want all of us to hold Paris in our hearts, but... I was literally up all night last night thinking about the fact that my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed and my Twitter feed is nothing but prayers for Paris. And yet I don't see that same social media response for Beirut or for the Syrian refugees or for a church that's shot up by a white American man killing a whole bunch of black people. Or for the almost 300 mass shootings that have happened in the United States of America this year, mostly by white American men carrying guns. And so much of what I've been seeing on social media that's so upsetting is people calling Muslims terrorists, calling the refugees terrorists, when what we really need to do is take a look at what we have here at home, which is these endless acts of terrorism, specifically against people of color, like the threats to kill these black college students who are just calling for equality. And we're completely unwilling to point the finger at ourselves and say, we've got all of these terrorists here who also happen to be Christian, but we're willing to point fingers and name call. And it's it just it just really kept me up all night. And I know that this is a podcast about sex and that this is a really not sexy topic, but violence is something that affects all of us, as does racism. And all of these things tie back to human rights. And sexual rights are human rights. Safety is a human right. Uh, fighting against racism actually helps with sexual rights. Fighting against social injustices helps with sexual rights. They're all tied together. And that's what, you know, all of these intersections mean is 
we can't just focus on violence in one place and not and, and expect it to do anything. We have to focus on violence in all places. I mean, you just can't solve a problem that way. So I just wanted to take a couple of minutes and and just say that our thoughts and our hearts are with everybody that was impacted in Paris, but also in all of these other places that just don't get the social media coverage that they should, um, largely because it's either communities that we just don't feel as close to or because it's people who happen to have brown skin. And I really think that so much of this is a race issue. And as a white person, you know, who has a lot of privilege, I think it's important for me to use my voice to just speak up and, and call attention to that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so for the rest of the hickey, we're going to talk about sexy stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we got an email from one of our listeners, and I'm actually getting ready to put together, or some of our listeners might have gotten the email that I sent out about this, but in late January, I'm going to be hosting an online telesummit that's all about sex and relationships that has some of the leading experts in the world talking about sex and sensuality and body acceptance. And it's going to be amazing. I mean, like I'm going to have some really huge folks at this thing. Cool. So I sent out an email to our listeners just kind of saying like, Hey, what would you want to learn? And one of our listeners actually wrote back with this question and it is something that's going to get addressed by the telesummit, but I think it would be fun for us to just kind of talk about right now. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to read it and then we're going to jump in. Okay. Okay. So our listener, John says, you ladies do a great job of keeping the conversation going, so I'm a faithful listener to the podcast. Unfortunately, my partner is firmly entrenched in the traditional relationship model. Hmm. While I would like to explore threesomes and polyamory and orgies, she has no desire to see or participate in any sexual activity outside of the marriage. Hmm. We've had many deep conversations about what we each want, and it always ends with us deciding to remain monogamous. She has made it clear that she'll divorce me and end our 14-year marriage wow. if I ever have sexual contact with anyone else. So I'm really stuck. I love her and don't want to lose her. I can't change her, but I can't get over the desire for a more expansive sex life. So maybe I should take Dan Savage's words to heart and accept monogamy and monotony as the price of admission for this relationship. Hmm. But it would be great to hear from some sex experts with alternatives to suffering in silence or cheating on a loving spouse. Thanks, John. Mm. I actually have, I think at this point, three or four non-monogamy experts that are going to be speaking at the summit on mm -hmm. all different types of non-monogamy and relationship health. So um, as the details for that come up, I'll be sure to share them so everybody can tune in because it's going to be free and it's going to be awesome. But I thought this would just be a really interesting thing for us to, to talk about because it's a tough place to be and... I think there are a couple of different options, but ultimately he's right. He can't, he can't ask her to change or force her to change. It has right. to be something that she wants to do for herself. Otherwise she's going to resent him. And so the only other option then is to either change yourself or to make a really tough decision. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you don't want to cheat, uh -huh. I think you just have to come to terms with, Either you're going to stay in the marriage mm -hmm. and be monogamous mm -hmm. or you want more because you're not happy. Mm -hmm. You could be happy with like everything about the marriage, mm -hmm. but you want to have sex with other people. Mm -hmm. 
if you can come to some sort of agreement, open or monogamish or whatever, and you don't want to live with the guilt of cheating, then you do have to have that. Mm -hmm. Like this, I, I want to have sex with other people. I want to explore. Yeah. Well, and I think like a therapist could really help with that. And I also think something that, that gets overlooked sometimes is while you can never expect anybody to change for you, oftentimes our partners do change when one, they feel accepted and two, you just let them know like, this is something that's really important to me and I don't want to end our marriage over it, but Mm -hmm. I would like this to be something we revisit yeah, because I'd like to see kind of where we are in a year or maybe we can meet with a therapist at some point. And, you know, some of these things can feel really scary to people who have never considered it for themselves. And you never want to put your life on hold expecting somebody to change because the likelihood that someone is going to change is pretty small. But there have been plenty of instances in both Dylan's life and in my life where a partner does change mm-hmm. when you just give them a little bit of space. And that's actually something that, like, personally I can speak to uh, about what's just even going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Of, I, you know, I, in my relationship that I'm in right now, was feeling a tremendous amount of pressure to change faster than I was ready for. And it was creating a lot of anxiety and stress for me. And as soon as we just both kind of said, okay, be exactly who you are right now. I'm not going to force you to change. I'm not going to force you to be somebody else. And you get to just really kind of figure things out at your own pace. Having all of that space and that permission made me want to change because it wasn't something somebody was forcing me to do. It Mm -hmm. was something that I started wanting to do Mm -hmm. because it didn't feel like there was all this pressure. Yeah. So, you know, I think that this is an excellent place for having a third party get involved of either a therapist or a communication coach or a non-monogamy coach. I know a really wonderful non-monogamy coach um, that I can recommend. And the website for that coach is openandawesome.com. And this person, Victoria, coaches people who are looking to begin exploring non-monogamy. So that might be an option, but you really do have to decide. Here's, here's the thing. You either really need to decide that your marriage and this relationship you have is your priority or that wanting to explore non-monogamy is your priority. And then you have to commit to that choice and not resent it once you commit. So if you really want to stay in this marriage with your wife and you're willing to choose monogamy as the price of admission, you can't hold that over her head. You can't be resentful. You can't act out towards her because you're making the choice to stay. This has nothing to do with her. Mm -hmm. This is all about you. By the same token, if you end up deciding that non-monogamy is something that's really, really important to you to the point where you want to transition out of your marriage then if you do that and you end up hating it, that's just the risk that you take. And you'll learn things about yourself and who knows where you'll end up. I really, truly believe we always end up where we're supposed to end up. Yeah. But I think that it's just, it's a tough position to be in. 
Sometimes it does take time. Like you said, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of my relationship, absolutely no way in hell were we ever going to go outside of our marriage. Yeah. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why you married me. (laughs) You know, like all the horrible things that you like, what, am I not enough? You know, like what, is our sex not good enough? Blah, blah, blah. All those things. And it's not even, you know, it's like you marry someone doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden your libido is only zoned in on one person. Mm -hmm. People are attractive. And to say that other people aren't attractive or that you're not attracted to them, I think you're only fooling yourself. But but there's like that one person that, you know, kind of gets you thinking about something or whatever, or maybe it's just your, your fantasies, whatever. Mm But, you know, we started with just mentioning, mm-hmm. you know, and having small conversations about how sexuality is fluid and mm-hmm. and then it it happened actually when some when the wife found somebody mm-hmm. who was attractive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, well, we can revisit this conversation, yeah. you know." Um but, you know, there was still so much communication and talking mm-hmm. that you had to get through. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. why am I feeling this? I feel like I shouldn't be feeling these feelings. And yeah. I feel like I'm cheating because I'm attracted to somebody else. And mm-hmm. no, I mean, they're all valid feelings and open for discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think you <clears throat> have to have that serious talk yeah, and or decide whether you can contain it mm-hmm. or you just need to bust or out use your it. fantasies yeah. or whatever and i mean i think that there's this fine line and it's really difficult to to walk this line i think for all of us in that you can say i really want this mm-hmm. i really want to explore some version of non-monogamy mm-hmm. or group sex it feels really important to me yeah. And then there's pressuring a spouse Mm -hmm. and you don't want to ever pressure or coerce or try and manipulate somebody into doing something that they're not okay with. So it's, you know, you don't bring it up over and over again. You don't use it as a point whenever you're having an argument to kind of press that hot button. You don't say it when they're feeling vulnerable or when you're feeling particularly hurt about something. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be like, this is something that feels really important to me. And I know that you're not in a place where you're okay with this, but I'm going to continue to sit with it. Mm. And maybe this is something that we can revisit again in in six months or 12 months, or maybe we can get a therapist about it and then truly drop it and see if they have any curiosity coming up on their end that Uh might open the conversation again. But you just have to be really careful that making it clear what your needs are and your interests are is not, turning into some type of burden or obligation mm-hmm. where they feel like they have to do something that they don't want to do because they might lose the relationship or you might not love them anymore or something mm-hmm. like that. But I do think that there are some options. I think that, you know, exploring like a non-monogamy coach or working with a therapist might be a really good idea. And ultimately there is, there's probably just going to come a point where you really have to choose for yourself if you're living your very best life, what does that look like? Yeah. Is your very best life being in this marriage with someone who sounds like they probably aren't interested in changing at any point and deciding that there are other ways for you to explore? 
I was trying to give you the timeout sign. I was, hold on, I was going to blow it up with a sneeze, but it... It's going to come on real fast now. It snuck away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I totally forgot what I was saying. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, come make... Are you in a good place with your life? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dylan was about to sneeze and then I lost my train of thought. But, um, you know, you just really have to decide, like, what is the best version of your life look like? If you really, truly feel like exploring non-monogamy is is an important part of your personal expression, your sexual expression, then you truly owe it to yourself to make the decision to explore that. And it can be really scary to end a relationship or to transition a relationship because needs aren't getting met. That's true for anybody. You know, if you have no sex at all, but you're a sexual being, or if you really want to have kids and the person that you're with really doesn't want to have kids. I mean, these are never easy decisions and they can be really, really painful and really scary. You just have to decide what's going to be the thing that when you look back, you feel like you don't have any regrets about and then go from there and, and none of the decisions are necessarily going to be easy. Yeah. But it's it's what feels most aligned with the kind of life that you want to be living. And and then see what happens and what comes next. So, <laughs> John, this I think this is a really really powerful question and and dilemma that you're in. This is definitely something that we'll talk about with the non-monogamy experts that I have at the summit at the end of January. So definitely stay tuned for that. I'll have details on that in the next couple of weeks and just really sit with your truth, you know, just kind of sit with, with, is this something that just kind of feels like a super exciting curiosity, but being married to this person and being in a relationship with this person is really the way that I want to live my life out? Or is it, I really need to explore this side of myself. It feels like a fundamental part of who I am and the type of life I want to be leading and transitioning out of this marriage may be the price that I have to pay for doing that. You know, so just, you don't have to make any decisions right now. You have as much time as you want to take, but just sit with it. And then maybe when I have the summit, you'll hear something that kind of helps. But definitely thank you for writing in because I don't think you're the only person that struggles with this True. at all. I think this is really common. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Dylan just pulled out some lube and a condom and... <laughs> And I made this hand gesture at her because it was making noise that I was picking up in the microphone. Last night, uh-huh. I was on 95, uh-huh. driving to my therapy session. And? And there was a school bus Uh-oh. with like eight and nine-year-olds on it. Yeah. And there was this little shit in a blue shirt at the back of the bus. And in the window, at every car that passed, he did the jerking off motion with his hand and spooge. Oh my God, that's it horrible. It wasn't just jerking off. He finished and like threw the spooge at us. Gross. It was like jerk, 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 spooge. Jerk, 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 spooge. At like every car that went by. And it oh was like. Oh my God. Took everything in me not to pull, pull up next to the bus and just be like, that little shit in the back. Oh my God. <laughs> What are kids doing these days? I mean, like, all right, great that he already knows that so much, but seriously. Yeah. I mean, and it was like, he had this like mean, shitty face. Oh like he definitely knew what he was doing. He was doing. like nine or 10? Yeah. He was young. Like really young. Oh my like, God. That's Way horrible. before a teen. Oh that's my God. Horrible. Yeah. It was just like, you little shit. Oh my God. 
Anyway, so yeah, we just want to <laughs> tell you, John, thank you so much for writing in. And if any of you have prepubescent teens, oh they God. are potentially sitting in the back of a bus doing jerk off motions at people that drive by. And throwing the spooge. And at throwing you. the spooge. That yeah. was the worst. Like, it wasn't just the hand motion of like jerking off, it was like, the finish. silence of the lambs. The finish. <laughs> It's like, that's so offensive, little fucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Okay. All right, then. Well, that is our hit it and quit it, nice and serious, and then serious. a little, actually, a little bit more serious, but, you know, all good yeah. stuff. So we hope everybody has a wonderful week. We have a super full episode coming up next week, so be sure to stay tuned. And you can find us over at sexgetsreal.com if you want to send any comments or thoughts or questions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and I think that's it. That this is, is Don. And this is Dylan. And this is Sex Gets Real. Boom. <laughs>